This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. They tried to make me go to rehab, I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, no, no, no. I ain't got the time, and if my daddy thinks I'm fine, they tried to make me go to rehab, I Good evening and welcome to Hooked, Joy 94.9's program about addiction. Research shows that the LGBTI community has addiction problems of at least twice that of the general population and we want to explore why and how this has come about. There are many suffering addiction, many more that are affected by those in active addiction and people that are grateful in recovery. My name is David. Hello there, my name's Russ and what an exciting show we're going to have tonight. What are some of the reasons behind this problem? Are there pathways towards recovery and change? How does addiction affect loved ones, family members and partners of those in active addiction? You know, David, we're not experts in this field, but just a couple of mates who happen to be friends and we're both in recovery together. We believe that there needs to be a conversation in the gay community about recovery and addiction. Oh, yes. You know, Russ, we have a Facebook page, which is Hooked on Joy 94.9. I'm addicted to Facebook. (laughs) You're addicted to a lot of things, I think. (laughs) Uh, But I've got to mention here, just seriously, if you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36. And, of course, you can go to the Joy website. What is that address there? www.joy.org.au forward slash support. I knew you knew it. And you know what? That page is amazing. The number of places you can go there for help are really good. Yeah, and it's all tailored to our community. Hey, tonight we have a real live bona fide Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Yeah. Yes, exactly. On the line right now. Now, he has been on the program before, way back in January 2019. Yep. We were quite young back then. We were. There are all sort of facets of the uh, mental health industry and there are different people that work within it. But I think the top of the tree is the psychiatrist. I don't That's know. What right. about you, Russ? What do you think? I went to a psychiatrist for 20 years. And came out all right. Yeah, well, that's what they tell me too. Uh, But nevertheless, uh, we do have a psychiatrist who's back on January 2019. Welcome once again to Hooked, Dr. Jared. Hello, David. Hello, Russ. Thank you. Hello, young man. How are you going today? Oh, not too bad. I'm on holiday at present, so I'm very good. Now, that's an interesting point that you should make too. And you didn't think it was a point, but I was talking to Russ before... Uh, the program this evening, and I know you're taking two weeks off at the moment because things have been rather busy, haven't they? Uh, yeah, the last couple of months uh, have been rather busy, busier than usual. And, Russ, you had an anecdotal story about somebody you know who's a psychologist in yeah, Canberra. Yeah, that's right. He, he's working um, uh, week on, week off because they are so busy with um, um, corona fear and coronavirus and corona, you name that. So... Um, apparently your field is, is, is going off with people who have questions and want to know what the, what, what to do about it, uh, Jared. Uh, yeah, as far as we, um, I guess we had the additional stress of changing our whole service in a couple of days to, um, no more face to face contact. And then just after we did that, along came the, the huge wave of, of everyone's anxieties and worries. So 
Tell us, Dr. Jared, what sort of patients are presenting themselves to you during COVID-19 pandemic? Um, okay, so I, I work uh, in the sort of youth and families field, so 18 to 25 and their families. Um, and I guess during yeah during that time, I guess there was, there was an initial week-long lull, which was great, allowed us to, to change our service around completely. But then, yeah, then the onslaught really started. So uh, for me, uh, in, in my field, it's... Um, a lot of families and a lot of young people who are really stressed with the way the world has changed all of a sudden. Mm. That might be learning from home. That might be having to live in such close quarters with family, uh, not being able to see um, uh, see a lot of friends and, and a lot of other connections. So, yeah, I've, we've had a lot of a lot of families and a lot of um, young people, especially those who are just really starting out in their life independently. Um, I think a lot of people who have just left high school and they're sort of working, uh, just starting their careers or doing their university studies and all these great plans that they've made, which unfortunately have all been blown out of the water by this by this virus. Which is a hard enough so, time yeah. in life anyway, that sort of time where you're starting to branch out, you're starting to become independent, you're possibly exploring your sexual identity as well. So it is a very difficult time and then you're told, oh my goodness, you can't continue doing what you'd normally do and what, what about things like uh, study paths and things like that are you finding a lot of students um, presenting themselves for psychiatric care yeah, um, at this particular time I know we've all experienced cabin fever over the past couple of months and this is a show about addiction and recovery how and why do people's addictions tend to increase over a period like this and and what should they be doing to um, seek assistance um, okay, so it's a bit complicated. I was um, been sort of reflecting on this a bit myself, actually, because you know we, it's not sort of universal that all forms of of addiction or, or drug use uh, have um, uh, have gone up. I mean, we obviously we've seen a lot of a lot of people using alcohol a lot more. Um, that's one that people tend to do at home alone a lot more. Um, the sort of group that I see, yeah, is mostly mostly younger, and they tend to drink more socially. So, if anything, a lot of younger people are probably drinking less, but people a little bit older, so some of their parents or, or other relatives drinking a, a fair bit more. Um, you know, gambling is an interesting one. We've seen a lot of a huge reduction in in a lot of our traditional forms of gambling, but there's been a shift, of course, to online gambling um, instead of poker machines and clubs and casinos. So, and then in terms of drug use, you know, that's really um, yeah, it's really hard to say. I, I haven't seen a huge escalation on a lot of drugs. Again, it's complicated. Some people have more time. Some people, some young people now actually have more money with the current arrangement with um, with JobKeeper. Mm. Uh, but some actually have less, have a lot less money. So yeah, some are using more. Some are using yeah, uh, using a lot less. It's yeah, it's quite complicated. Actually, it's quite funny because I'm just thinking about party drugs and how do party drugs work without a party. Now, the last time you were on back in January 2019, we talked about, um, it was just before midsummer, and I think towards the end of the program, we were talking about mm. um, certainly people going to big parties and festivals and things like that. And it was during a period where, you know, people were losing their lives uh, and pill testing mm. was being talked about. And one of the pieces of advice you gave was to make sure that if you were using certain classes of drugs, um, to make sure that you're with somebody, with somebody that you trust or with somebody that cares for you and to make sure that, you know, if that's the experience that you were looking for, to make sure that you were definitely safe. So would would um, it be inadvisable to be taking a party drug by yourself, that sort of thing? 
Yeah, it does. Um, you know, it does raise safety issues using. Um, you, you sort of say, say it rightly, will people be using party drugs without a party? Um, you know, it, it, it does raise the issue if people are at home using using some substances. Then, yeah, it's, they're not going to be around the people that they'd usually trust who could call for help. I think my my big concern with that really is when you know, when, as we all come out of isolation and all go back to having initially small parties, but parties nonetheless, uh, you know, people's, people's bodies may not be used to those sort of substances, mm. to, you know, using it at the rate that they might have been before. So people might drop a couple of pills and before you know it, they're actually in, in a lot of strife. So that's, um, you know, more than using alone. It's, it's, yeah, my worry is people coming back out of isolation and, and using at the rate they were before, but with mm. quite, um, yeah, bodies that just aren't used to it. I was reading an article in um, uh, some research I did and the um, people um, say that drug dealers have put their prices up because they find that their um, their uh, group have more money um, due to JobKeeper. Um, mm. So I just find that they've put their prices up uh, – are people really going to be experimenting during that time? Do you think because the drugs cost more, or well, um, I, I, I don't think so so much. Uh, yeah. it, my experience again, it's a little, it's a little limited, but really, it is the group, the, the age group where people tend to experiment most, sort yeah. of um, you know, teenage years and early twenties. I haven't really had a lot of people um, using this as an opportunity to experiment. Anecdotally, mm. heard of a few if they're living with a couple of housemates, but. Um, you know, if you're home with your with your family, uh, probably not when you're going to choose no. to to try hallucinogen for the first time. Not with mum and dad around. Maybe not. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like a particularly good idea. Um, not a lot of fun. Really, of course, we're not trying to promote um, people after the COVID-19 pandemic to get out there and take as many party drugs as they possibly can. But uh, certainly the warning there is to try and keep cool about it and maybe um, be very careful at that time. Mm, yeah, I think so. I think we've done a really good job of being quite thoughtful. Everyone that I'm meeting lately has been forced to be very thoughtful about about a lot of things in life at the moment, and I'm, I'm hopeful that as we all come out of our lockdown, people will also be thoughtful about the way that they uh, go back to using substances as well. If they do choose to use something, they'll, they'll do that as safely as possible and, um, yeah, not go back and and use sort of three or four pills in a night if um, if that's what they were doing before. Dr. Jarrett, I'm just curious, a lot of fear in the community, every community um, around in COVID-19. What, what, what is a rational fear and what's an irrational fear for, for the listener to think twice about, you know, take a deep breath and saying, this isn't real what I'm thinking, I don't need to be afraid of this? Yeah, that's, it's, it's really hard actually um, and it's evolved really quite quickly. Um, I think as a society and as individuals, we're not used to a crisis evolving quite like this. Either we have a, you know, we have a disaster over the course of a couple of days and we clean up and we get on with things, or we have longer term uh, stressors like our jobs or our uni courses or, or what have you. Um, so this has been quite, quite unique. And, you know, I was thinking a lot about, um, about what people are facing at the moment. And there's a lot of emotions that people are facing, which aren't necessarily mental illness. You know, actually, they're, they're quite normal responses. Um, and, and what's normal for one person is going to be qu- quite different to, to another person. So you talk about fear. You know, I think fear is a very normal response at present. And it's, it's going to be so unique to 
to that individual if, if they're if they're in fear of um, you know losing their house because they've run out of money or losing their job or their business. Um, you know that's quite different to someone who might be fearful of of having to be stuck at home with people who um, you know who might be perpetrators of violence, for example. Right. Um, everyone's going to have all those real life fears going on, in, in, and then there's the, the fear of the, the virus as well. I think that's sort of um, simmering down a bit, uh, which we're we're very you know we've done exceptionally well. Australians can be so so proud of themselves how well they've done over the last couple of months in in really keeping this virus in check. Um, you only have to look on the news to see other parts of the world where it's just absolutely out of control. run amok. Oh, completely out of control and, and, and very sadly, and at times preventable. Um, you know, so I think we ought to be very proud of it. But the fear of, of actually contracting the virus and getting sick and then um, getting so sick that you won't have a, that you'll need a hospital bed and that one won't be available. We're quite fortunate now that we don't actually have those those fears mm. and i think the fears we have are more getting back to sort of um you know real world fears i suppose like like work and and studies and relationships yeah it's funny because fear falls into two classifications fear of losing what you have or fear of n- not getting what you want and uh <clears throat> i don't want coronavirus so <laughs> that's uh that's probably good health <laughs> losing what you have and certainly not getting what you want. I was thinking before, because I asked you about the sorts of patients that present themselves during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, but what about people uh, that you've been treating that um, are already, you know, being seen by yourself for your professional services? Uh, what about those with pre-existing conditions? How have they been affected during this period of time? So mostly not well. Uh, a, a small Subgroup. A lot of I do see quite a few people with with social anxiety, and um, they're actually doing exceptionally well. They're, they're sort of been preparing <laughs> for this for, for years, uh, staying at home and um, you know working from home or, or studying online. These sorts of things. Going to the shops when nobody's of, around, and uh, exactly. So they, they've, they've they've probably a few weeks ago, they would have loved the streets of Melbourne when there was just nobody around. Absolutely, some of them were getting out more than what they what they usually would. Wow. Um, but 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 aside from aside from that group of patients, um, you know, a lot of the young people that I've seen that, that I usually see aren't doing particularly well um, for a lot of the reasons that we spoke about before. A lot of you know, there's just so much uh, so much stress and insecurity, and so I've had a number of people who uh, quite a lot of people who I who I'd been seeing previously who've now come back. Um, that might be families with, with teenage kids who are struggling with online learning or, um, you know, uni students who aren't doing well or young people who are working and, and who've lost their work. Uh, so I have took on people that I've been seeing previously um, and then a, quite a lot of people who I had been seeing perhaps just, uh, you know, once every couple of months or, or were preparing to wind down with and finish off with, um, you know, I'm having to see again a lot more frequently. So, yeah, it's really... Uh, really been quite bad for for people with mental health problems. Um, Do you put that down to sorry, their yeah. anxiety about the future? Um, yeah, I, I think as you mentioned before, sort of fear of fear of now and fear of the future, uh, fear of losing something and fear of not getting something. You know, really, there's there's it, it, a lot of fear and um, and and just a lot of yeah, a, a lot of awful shitty emotions really going on at present. And if you've already got uh, depression or or an anxiety disorder. Um, if you've got a psychotic illness or another mood illness, um, yeah, you're, you're really not going to be uh, coping very well with a lot of those awful emotions. 
Um, another interesting group is, you know, I do see quite a lot of young people who are on the spectrum, on the autism spectrum, and those people generally cope best with minimal change. And all of a sudden, we've turned the world upside down. Mm. So a lot of those young people are, are really not coping very well at all. They've had to change, you know, everything. They've sort of set, they've set their life up, and they were used to making small changes as they go along. And all of a sudden, we've said, no, sorry, the whole world's changing. Uh, so they've they've not coped very well and, and have needed additional support as well. Yeah, many people are quite resistant to change. Um, but look, we've actually received a message from Susanna in St Kilda and she has a question for Dr Jared. How do I manage anxiety with attempting to restart life back as the country attempts to get some sense of normalcy? You're right. How do you manage anxiety as, as, as all of this? Look, it's, um, it's very hard because I don't know... Um, yeah, I, I don't know what Susanna's unique circumstances are. Um, if she's, you know, what she's sort of lost uh, at present. Um, you know, but I'd. Um, what if yeah, Susanna was I, working from home and uh, possibly like that, and going, "Oh, now I've got to get back to normal." So, uh, what sort of anxiety would she have, and how would you sort of uh, manage it? Um, so, look, if um, if she was having a lot of anxiety about about changes in in the world again, I think. One of the key things is to normalise what you can with what's going on. So that's best done through through the through close connections that we have, the talking with people that we trust and that we that we hold close to us. And usually, those if those people know us well, they'll also know if if we're perhaps feeling more anxious or if our reactions are, are you know a bit um, uh, if they're typical for us or, or not. Um, yeah, so. I guess getting some feedback from from people closest to to you would be my first suggestion, and just talking with with those people, um, whether that's your partner or your or your family or your closest friend. And then if if things are if, if things are evolving and changing, look, I think one needs to really be um, quite honest with, with with oneself and quite kind to oneself as well. So talking with employers if if you can, or talking with schools or, or, or universities if if one can, and um, yeah, just trying to trying to I guess allow the world to be as uh, as pleasant as possible as as it normalises again. So, if some things need to be put on hold for a bit, certain core subjects or something like that, uh, trying to get your your university to be understanding or your workplace to be understanding as as you transition back to back to normal. Um, if you're still having trouble, uh, talk to a you know talk to your health professional and and get their support with that both. Practically, if that that might be, you know, I'm writing a lot of letters at present to schools, universities, and, and talking with other agencies mm-hmm. to get people help and support um, as they get back, as they transition back, so that they are well supported. And it's interesting that you say that, um, Dr. Jarrah, because uh, uh, most people just don't know that. Um well, everyone knows the whole world is experiencing this, but there are so many avenues that people can go to. They just have to ask for help. And most businesses and companies will have a COVID ID um, policy and on how they can help you or what rescue plan they've got or what they've got in place to look after you. So it is it is a good idea to actually talk or, or send an email or jot down a letter or speak to somebody so you can find out and educate yourself on what's happening, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, often a good place to start with is just getting a, a telehealth appointment with your GP. That's often a, a great place to start. Uh, and they might be able to suggest a couple of local services as well, um, where there might be a social worker or if housing's an issue, you know, a housing worker, um, who might be able to support you. 
there's a lot of insecurity, I guess, with uh, with planning too far down the line. Um, and I think that that's a big difficulty at the moment. People have to be planning for a life that's months away. Mm. Uh, but at the moment, sometimes it's very difficult to live beyond the next few days or, or next couple of weeks in terms of jobs and uh, that you know those, those sorts of things. It's funny that you should mention that because both Russ and I have been in recovery for at least 15 minutes, maybe a little bit longer than that, but we're both in recovery. And we learned many years ago that the best way to live is to um, take it one day at a time and to actually, you know, just get through that day and know that, you know, the next day your new gift is the fresh day. Whereas if you start um, projecting too far down the track and then you start wondering about what if this happens and what if that happens, uh, you start to get quite messed up uh, instead. So, uh, you know, living each day, sure, we want to plan things and we want to hope things that do, you know, that will eventuate and happen, but they're not always going to happen. So it's it's quite a good strategy just to stay in each day. Yeah, well, I'm... Typically, I'll do, I'll do with often with patients. I'll be doing quite a lot of planning, and we'll do sort of you know schedules, or they might have a whiteboard at home, and they'll be planning and doing goals. And uh, we've really, really cut that back with with a lot of people. I've sort of got them planning for the next few days, you know, what, and, and carving the day up into into sort of three you know, morning, afternoon, evening. If you're a night owl, make two overnight, make one thing during the day, but just trying to slot something into the morning and something into the afternoon. Um, yeah, but just keeping it to the next few days, not trying to plan, oh, what am I going to do in a fortnight? What will I do in, in three months' time? Um, you know, just really keeping it very, very short-term at present if if thinking about too far down the line is very stressful. I've got a, um, a curious question about... Um Obviously, uh, next week we come out of stage three and go into stage two. How how are clusters going to be handled? Do you think? And what should people do? I, I, I you know, this whole thing about um, people are quick to forget. Um, you know, pubs will be open, restaurants will be open. I mean, there are rules and regulations around all this sort of stuff and responsible, uh, venue owners will do the right thing. But what, what is appropriate here? Why should, what should people be looking out for? Mm. Um, yeah, so you've mentioned about clusters and, and I think that's really what, what is going to happen going forward. You know, we've just had today in Western Australia another cluster of, of COVID on a ship that's, that's arrived from the Middle East. Um, mm-hmm. Seven, six or six or seven people on that have been have tested positive. Um, recently, here in, in Melbourne, you know, we had the McDonald's cluster and the Meatworks. Uh, certain industries are, are, are really quite, um, you know, really quite predisposed to having these clusters where there's people who are living or working in very close quarters. So Meatworks are particularly um, those sort of factories are particularly um, susceptible. In terms of going about our business, you know. Um, in terms of places like supermarkets and shopping centres where we're moving quite quickly, provided we keep that density down fairly low, mm. the chances of actually getting coronavirus in, in, in that setting is quite low. Uh, when we are moving back into restaurants, you know, I, I think, I think it's really up to, it, it is going to be up to the, the restaurant owners to be very careful with how many people are in, in their restaurant or in their, in their store. Um, I think it's a little bit of onus is, Going to also fall onto um, everyone in the in the public to maybe say to the you know if it's a busy person on the cash register, say look you I understand you're only supposed to have eight people in here I've just noticed a couple more people have walked in and and they might have to stop what they're doing so I, 
I don't think people are going to be too um, upset if 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 we are actually sort of notifying some of our business owners if yeah if they're about to face a breach and they can be fined quite you know we can be fined as individuals but not yeah. not acting appropriately and businesses can be fined quite handsome fines so. Um, and they don't we want to shut down see... again, do they? So, mm. No, that's right. Yeah, so we will see some some more clusters. How, how do we, you know, how do we manage that? Um, I think just by yeah respecting that distancing as much as possible, and and err on the side of caution. You know, if you if you don't have to do something, and it's you know it's really not that necessary, maybe I won't do it this week. Maybe I'll give it a couple more weeks and see if we if we stay on this trajectory. Now, Dr. Jared, I've got a question for you and um, people may or may not know that um, you have to be a medical GP before you become a psychiatrist. So you do have a little bit of medicine background as well. My question is... Sex, um, isn't it? It is. It's always about sex, isn't isn't it, David? It is. Oh, goodness, always about sex. It is. It has (laughs) to be, doesn't it? Um, What (laughs) is um, appropriate behaviour at the moment? I know... um, Maybe not so much the ladies, but the boys get a bit toey and um, and uh, and like to have sex with um, numerous partners. What you know, should you? Shouldn't be? What 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 to look out for? What's best for you? It's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so we like sex and we like connection, uh, but it's socially not very socially distant, is it? No. Um, so look, I it's, it's a it's a really difficult one at the moment. You know. I, what would I say? If I was being really frank, I, I would have thought mm, in the lead up to the pandemic, maybe panic buying a, a fuck buddy might have been handy. But, <laughs> oh, um, for, yes. for a, you know, just for a couple of months. But um, <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> or just yeah, move so into a frat house, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> God, there's got to be a series of pornos on that. But nevertheless, but yeah, look, I mean. Unlike, um, certainly for men, um, HIV, you can just slip on a condom or you can take other uh, medications in order to reduce your risk and take responsibility for your sexual uh, conduct. But this is different. You can't just put a condom over your whole body and mouth and face and everything else. No, no, you can't. And look, at the end of the day, these, you know, COVID, uh, coronaviruses are not sexually transmitted infections per se, but like like any of those sort of uh, viruses, they they're transmitted uh, in in saliva very very readily. So, you know, if you're out, um, you know, if you're having sex with someone, you are exposing yourself to risks of of just general infections like like flus and colds and things. And and this is no different. Um, it's quite a contagious one. Um, so yeah, so it it probably isn't the the best time to be um, you know shagging all and sunder at the moment. Um, yeah. <laughs> Put that grinder on pause, you think? Yeah, yeah. I, I should have actually had a look at the apps and seen what kind of warnings and things they've, uh, they've got, if any. I, I assume they've, I'm, so, I'm sure they must have, must be lighting up like a Christmas tree with all sorts of warnings about, you know, stay home and, uh, just, just have, uh, horny chats rather than actually catching up, which is probably like grinder anyway, isn't it? Yeah, probably. Everyone just has those sort of chats rather than actually catches up. Well, yeah, they're a bit of a waste of time, really, aren't they? I don't think anyone ever catches up on those things, do they? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> All right, so um, that brings me on to my next question. Um, during this pandemic, and certainly for those in addiction and those that aren't in addiction, but within our community, the LGBTIQ plus community, um, what are not healthy strategies? Yeah. Um, Other than the one I we just talked about, there's obviously yeah. uh, you know, inappropriate sex, but... Um, 
what are other non-healthy strategies for our mental health yeah. and well-being? How do I guess the the question is you know, how do people cope with their with their stress or with their worries with their fears? Um, we in the LGBTIQ community are sort of famous for um, for I guess not necessarily using the most healthy strategies to cope. Um, you know, with, with emotions, we'll often resort to using substances. Um, and yeah, this this show is all about all about addiction, so I guess it's a really appropriate uh, space to talk about it. But alcohol and, and drugs, whether it's weed or um, yeah, or uh, benzos or, or, or whatever, um, yeah, that that would be the the way to avoid uh, the coping strategies to avoid using at present. I think uh, I'd much rather talk about the ones that are good to. Uh, are good oh, to you yes. at present. We'll, we'll get to those. But um, so <laughs> if, if there's somebody that we care about that possibly he's starting to adopt some of those non-healthy strategies such as drugs and alcohol, what should we be looking out for the people that we care about? What should we be looking out? Looking out to, what are the sorts of signs that we might see? Because, you know, often they'll say, oh, you know, somebody um, starts to maybe heavily use drugs and suddenly they start withdrawing from uh, their community mm. or from their friends or from their work. Now, in this particular pandemic, how on earth can we sort of go, because well, everybody is withdrawing out of uh, you know, everyday life. What sort of signs could we be looking for in those that we care about, the people that we love? Yeah, it's really, it's really difficult, isn't it? When we're not, if we're not seeing people as frequently, um, you know, if, if you've got good, honest relationships with, with, with friends and awesome, awesome family members, now's the time to, to have those conversations. Try to avoid, always try to avoid those sort of conversations in the heat of the moment. You know, you yeah. don't sort of, if someone sounds like they're a little drunk down the end of the line, that's not the time to to check in about how they're how they're coping. Perhaps contact them the you know the next couple of days and and have a bit of a chat. It's time for a frank chat about how are things going, uh, how are you coping? I'm not coping well. Are you coping well? Um, you know, everyone being really honest with themselves and mm. and hopefully that will help facilitate some of those conversations where we where we do get to learn a bit more about our our nearest and dearest and whether they are coping well or not and if they're not coping are they resorting to the drinking or, or to drugs i'm actually thinking someone has a history somebody like russ who during addiction would have been uh an avid texter of uh, mm. rather inappropriate texts is that the sort of thing we should be looking out for as well because russ <laughs> you, you i'm sure you used to send texts to people <laughs> what, uh, drunk text absol- well that or, or oh. whatever else but like is that the sort of thing we could be looking out for as well In, uh, you know sort of not quite normal behavior from the people that we care about yeah so particularly if you know what you know, if you know that uh if someone's close to you and you know their pattern, oh, they're up really late at night, or they're sleeping in, or or they're not replying to those texts, or they're having, you know, they're having a lot of days off their work from home. Um, you know, I guess just yeah, noticing differences and 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 if they're not coping, and if they do have a history of of having coped previously by using substances, or um, yeah, then then it's definitely timely to check in if you're starting to notice some of those patterns. It, it's again, it's difficult because. All of our patterns have gone out the window. We're not, yeah. you know, we're yeah. not really, um, you know, people are feeling shit, you know, just uh, regardless of, every, of, of whatever's going on. They're, if they're just at home, working from home, they might be very lonely and very bored. And so you might be getting emotional texts from people more often than not or, or isolating. But but definitely checking in with them. And if you know they're, they're a sort of person that, that's at risk, then having that frank discussion with them is, yeah, would be a very good idea. 
just sort of going to put Russ on the spot at the moment. Oh. But what sort of texts <laughs> did you used to send to people? Oh, well, David, I think that's a bit um, out of bounds. But, you know, generally, um, you know, maybe 20 or 30 an hour about what I'd like to do with them. Oh, I don't yeah. know. It was yeah. just, you know, it was in a drunken um, haze and, you know, I'd wake up the next morning and I'd think, goodness gracious me, who sent those? And, of course, it was me. <laughs> um, yeah, I just um, – so I can I can relate to, to what you're saying here 100%. I find it interesting. I mean, for me, I'm a people person, um, Dr. Jared. So one of the things that I chose to do was, um, I chose to ring a lot of people and, um, you know, it made me, I, it, I, look, it just made me feel better. Um, and I, I, I know, um, it's maybe for some people, it's something not as obvious as that. Um, but certainly, um, I was surprised as to, um, how many people I was able to, you know, just ring and say, G'day, how you going? And what's happening? And da, 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 da. So it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty easy way to, um, keep in touch with people, Checking isn't in. it? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, if there's someone that you haven't heard from for a while, I think a, um, a nice way is just to send a text, just, you know, a text or something on, on Messenger and say, hi, just thinking about you and, just checking in with that person and, and that might start a conversation which then leads to how are you going? Actually, I'm going really crap, they might say. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a good time to, you know, you know when we see those little things that remind us of someone, instead of just laughing to ourselves and having a chuckle to ourselves, actually pick up the phone and send that person a text and check in with them. We have, have you got a question for Dr. Jared? Look, I do, and my question is a morals question. Oh, my Dr. goodness. Dr. Jared. Slippery moral. Yes. I, you know, supposing just for um, instance that you might have been having sex with a few people or you might have been taking lots of drugs or you might have been putting yourself into risk and then you're coming into contact with friends and family, when should the, you know, the old moral compass Click in and you should, yeah, you should turn around and say, oh, guys, I really can't catch up because I've been doing this, this and this. Mm. Well, as a doctor and psychiatrist, I don't usually like to weigh in too heavily on on people's moral decisions. Yeah. Um, But I did hear a a good, um, a good sort of quote, I guess that I heard a little while ago was, think about where you've, where you've been for the last few days. And if, if, if you're not, if you don't feel sort of, uh, Guilty, then go about your business. But if you've got a little bit of guilt about where you might have been or what you might have done um, in terms of, say, catching up then with, with family or friends, then you might want to say, okay, I'm just going to make up some excuse and say I'm, stay- I'm staying in for the next couple of days and, and just wait and make sure that you're well, make sure that you don't come down with any any uh, cold or flu symptoms. But I think at, at present it's important to recognise that rates of of COVID-19 in our, in Australia are incredibly low. Mm. So we're actually, you know, we really are in quite a, quite a brilliant position to, to be in this position compared to where I thought we would have been if you'd have asked me a few months ago, yeah. uh, is, is really remarkable. So I think at the moment we can probably start to relax, uh, quite a bit more. I think the most important thing is if you have any symptoms that might be a cold, stay home. Mm. Don't go, if you've got even, even a sniffle and you think, oh, I think it might be hay fever, but I'm not sure. Just stay home. Go Just and have don't a test go out and about. Get a test. Um, yeah, go and get tested. And don't go and visit your 90 year old grandmother. No. Yeah, don't visit anyone except for a testing centre, really. Yeah. And um, would that be the general yeah. advice right through our upcoming flu season, would you say? Yeah, yeah I, I think, look, at the moment we're, 
and a great sort of side effect of all this is, is barely anyone's actually getting sick with with general sort of infections, uh, flus and colds and things. So we're likely to see a much um, lighter flu season as a result. But if anyone gets any any symptoms, yeah, they should isolate and, and get tested. And once they're once they're negative, just remain isolated until until you're feeling well again. It's just not worth it. Plus, you've got to endure the guilt of having to sneeze in public. I don't know if you've had to do that recently. Oh, uncomfortable. <laughs> Straight into the elbow. Hey, we talked about community and connection. Now, you're a proud member of the Melbourne Surge. Um, I've got a yep. feeling you must have been missing uh, that connection with the other people or have you maintained some sort of community connection through that group? Yeah, so it's quite a large group. So within there, there is sort of plenty of, uh, plenty of chat groups uh, but within the large group, there's sort of a lot of smaller ones with my closer, closer friends. So we maintained a uh, really good connection and, you know, did a few, um, Zoom, uh, club nights and things like that. So we got to, got to catch up, um, with friends. So yeah, maintaining connections, however, however possible. Yeah. Have been, have been keeping it up. I will admit, if I never have another Zoom meeting again in my life, it'll be too many. Oh, but, um, what are they? What other yep. healthy strategies do you have before we say goodnight to you, Jared? What other things should we be doing? Well, I think the main message I've had lately is just, uh, you know, for, for people is just to be looking after looking after yourself and looking after those around you. So you know, really in terms of looking after yourself, you're going to be doing that either in your own time or when you're connected with other people. So thinking about um, what you like to do in your own time that actually you know brings you back to yourself. So... For me, yesterday I went for a, went for a hike. First time I'd been able to go hiking in in months, really, mm. um, and that for me was just absolute bliss, and mm. um, just got me out of all of the stress and everything that I was I was doing. Some people might enjoy meditating, they might enjoy art, they might enjoy jogging, whatever it really is in your own time, and then connecting with others is is the other big thing. So, you know, spending time with others in in small groups at this stage, but but as much as you can and. Um, using your Zoom meetings if you can or, or giving phone calls. I think, you know, just rec- recognizing that at the moment we're all going to have a lot of really shitty emotion mm. and that's not mental illness. That's, that's normal in, in this situation. You know, having a lot of, uh, having fear about your future or sadness about you know, a job you might have lost or disgust when you look at the, on the news at what's going on in some other countries and what those people are enduring. That's not an illness. That's actually a that, that's an emotion. It's a shit emotion. Yeah. But it's a it's a genuine response to something that's terrible. So what do you do with those emotions? You 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 do need to spend some time with them. So if you you might want to spend some time with them on your own, or you might want to spend some time with them with others. You know, getting together and going for a walk with your neighbour and just having a good whinge about the world, yeah. or going for a walk with your headphones in and listening to great music while you think about some things that are really frustrating you. Well, I was really pleased to hear you say you went on a hike yesterday because I um, part of my strategy is has to be um, go for an hour's walk in the morning and an hour's walk at night every day. Mm. And you just feel so much better when you're outside. Yeah. You really do. Certainly with your dog, Gwenny. And, Gwenny, if you're listening tonight, woof, woof. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Look, Jared, Dr. Jared, it has been so good having you on. Share your, share your shitty emotions with your animals. Don't forget them. They, yeah. they need to hear about them. No, they stick around <laughs> you too. Dr. Jared, it has been so fantastic having you on tonight and uh, it has been too long between programs uh, but we are so appreciative of the time that you've spent with us and the advice that you've given us tonight on Hooked. Thank you, pleasure.
See you next time, Jared. We hope that you've enjoyed tonight's show and remind you that if you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or be on blue on 1300 22 46 36 and go to joy.org.au slash support. What a fabulous show. Now, it is important to move away from self-destructive reasoning. Recovery involves breaking the cycle of addiction, removing the trigger of negative thinking and restoring us to emotional sobriety. One of the greatest highs in life is, we say, feeling good about ourselves. Always remember that none of us are alone in this world and the very, very first step in recovery is to just say, Help. That's right. We want our community to be one of hope and look forward to your company next week as we continue to explore addiction on Hooked. Meanwhile, it's goodbye from Russ. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me, David. Goodbye. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.